15 years have passed since Jennifer's murder. A lot can change in 15 years. Jennifer's case needs to be back on people's minds and in people's everyday conversations. Together, we can do that because I have a voice and you have a voice too. We all have a voice and together we have a collective voice with more power, more influence, more reach than any of us alone. So let's use that collective voice to try to do something big. This is our call to action. So brainstorm with me, help guide this investigation and listen along as I try to find out who murdered Jennifer. I can't promise you that we'll solve this case, but I can promise you that it's going to get interesting. And I think you'll be glad you came along with me on my search for a murderer. So why are we doing this? Because maybe, just maybe, we'll succeed. Welcome to Justice Delayed, the unsolved homicide of Jennifer Olson Servo. I'm Sharon Newman Edwards, your host. This is episode three, Jennifer's Mom Speaks. Several days ago, I had a long conversation with Jennifer's mom. In this episode, we'll hear from Sherry Servo Abel about Jennifer's childhood, her time in the Army Reserves, and their drive to Abilene. Now, unfortunately, the sound quality isn't great on the interview, and I'm working on that for future episodes, but it's an amazing interview, and I'm really happy to be able to share it with you. So here's Jennifer's mom in her own words. Would you tell me what Jennifer was like when she was growing up? She was a sweet, dainty little thing, white hair and, and uh, long-legged, uh, very loving little girl. Best hugs ever. She was funny and liked to be the clown and make all of us laugh. She was very loving with her big sister, you know, followed her around like a little tag along all the time and, and really looked up to Krista. Had lots of friends in the neighborhood and, and at school and was always busy playing or hanging out with them. Now, in high school, she played sports, she played musical instruments. Yes. Uh -huh. She started playing the flute in junior high and then moved on to the baritone sax, which was as big as <laughs> she was, and then went to the other extreme and, and learned how to play the piccolo. <laughs> she was in the cross-country track and uh, volleyball as well, and then later on in high school, followed Chris's footsteps and was a cheerleader throughout high school. She was really involved, it sounds and like. She was always busy. Yeah, she was. Always did well in her classes when she left school, so that was good. Now, did, was she also a swimmer? A swimmer, yes. She swam in uh, throughout probably um, grade school up until junior high for the swimming falls wildcat team. She enjoyed that. She got to travel a lot with her friends to skates and this and that. So it was a good experience for her as well. And it sounds like she really liked to be outdoors too. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, she did. She loved it when it snowed or and in the fall when all the leaves fell off the trees, they'd make a big pile and jump into them. What about 
the story about how Jennifer got money to go to college. She was, you know, trying to think about what she wanted to do and where to go. And during, I think it was around Christmas break or so, she watched the Holly Shore movie called In the Army, and uh, where he joins the Army Reserves to get money for school. And she thought that would be a great idea. And, and uh, like fun, it'll be cool. He's in the water purification division, and that's what Jen ended up joining as well. She did know a couple of kids from high school that had signed up for the reserves as well. I think that's amazing that that movie, which I also saw, kind of changed a whole lot of her life, and a lot of it for the better. I mean, the the places she got to travel. Didn't she go to El Salvador on a on a reserve mission? Yes, she did. That was during her first year of college. And so she had to miss, oh gosh, I think two or three weeks of college to go to El Salvador, but she just loved that experience. She wrote a diary while she was gone. I think one of her college professors requested that she do that as an assignment. And so it was really fun to read that. It's nice to have those. It's it's nice that she was a journal writer. It is. It really is. Things that she didn't always tell her mom or her sister. Right. You know, that, uh, and then they found out later that it was, it was who she was. And I just love those journals. Can you talk a little bit about, I mean, you said she was really generous, too. She would give money to Salvation Army and at, like, at Christmas time. And yeah, yeah. There was always somebody worse off than her. She would say, and, and so, like, we were going into the mall shopping at Christmas time, and, and the Salvation kettles are out there with the bell ringers, and she reaches in her pocket and gets out the change or a dollar or whatever she had, and donated it and I said, Jen, that's that's so sweet, but you're you're as broke as a lot of these people are, you know, because we're college students. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's okay. Uh, we can do without a little bit just to help. So uh, yeah, she she was real sweet about that or she'd help us be doing time uh, you know, any kind of a fundraiser or whatever and I think it's it's not as common for someone so young to be thinking about other people and, and volunteering and those kinds of things. And I, I think that's one of the amazing qualities about her, although there are many. My understanding is that you were really surprised when Jennifer came up with this idea for the Army Reserves. Yes, he talked a little bit about it, and, but you know, never didn't sound serious to me. 
and then out of the blue during the Christmas break, I got a call from her at, at my workplace, and she said, I'm at the Army Reserve Recruiting Office, and I want to sign up for the reserves. And I said, no, Janet, no, I don't want you to. I can't lose you. You know, you'll get hurt or killed. And Oh, no, I won't, Mom. And I have to have you sign for me. And so she talked on and on, and then she put the recruiter on, and he assured me she would be safe and training will be in Missoula for one weekend a month and, and summer boot camp, which would make her grow up and, you know, really good thing, he was telling me. So after after a long talk, a couple days, uh, she kind of wore me down and <laughs> so then I went in and signed for her, but I, I, it was the hardest thing to do that. I can only imagine. But she sounds like she was a really determined girl at that time because she was 17, right? Whatever, you know, she she was a little stubborn maybe too, you know, and nope, this will be good and I'll get money for college and, you know, all this stuff. And as it turned out, it really wasn't that much money for college, but she uh, made it through. <laughs> it was the boot, boot camps were hard, especially the first one. You'd call and, and I'd be crying. And, it's terrible. <laughs> They're wearing us down. But lots of running and, and uh, I don't know what else. She had a video that she showed us. And, and uh, it was pretty intense boot camp for sure. Well, everything I've ever heard about boot camp from anyone is that it's pretty intense. It, it is, yeah. Yeah, but she got through it, and I think the next year she was made a platoon leader. So I was pretty proud of her for that because, you know, she was thrown into all these kids her age and, and uh, maybe a little older, and and here she was picked to be the leader, so I was pretty proud of her for that. And she was tiny, wasn't she? She wasn't very tall. Uh, no, well, she was a little taller than me. She's probably 5'3 or 4, but, you know, yeah. very thin and and muscular because of all her running cross-country and that. Right. You just don't think of someone so tiny, and then she's out there, shooting machine guns and learning how to throw grenades and doing yeah. all the other things that they teach you. <laughs> it's a good thing they started out with the uh, blank grenades because one came back at her when she threw it. <laughs> oh, no. Well, it's a good thing they do that. I guess there's a reason, right? Yes, for sure. <laughs> so that summer that she graduated from college, she had training, right? Reserve training? Yes. I'm thinking it was maybe one week and then maybe weekends or something. And that was in Helena, Montana. And then as far as her career, I mean, we know that, that Jennifer ended up in Abilene with the reporting job. But what were her career aspirations, like on a bigger scale? She was ambitious to get to a bigger market. And she knew that Abilene was a stepping stone to a bigger city, a bigger station. So uh, 
Michelle said she wanted to be the next Katie Couric, and um, we always told her you can do better than that. <laughs> then let's move on to when um, Jennifer got the job offer, and so she's moving to Abilene. And um, you you drove down. You guys got a U-Haul, and you you helped her move to Abilene. You made that long drive. That's like a twenty-eight hour drive, isn't it? I mean, it's long. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was thinking it would take us probably three days, but we made it in two two long days. Um, basically, stayed the first night in uh, northern Wyoming. And then got up early the next morning and drove straight through till we got to Abilene because Jen was ambitious to get there and, and uh, find a place to live in an apartment and, and just wanted to get on with it. It sounds like she must have been really excited to get there. She was. Start out her new career in a new city and... She had a romantic idea about how Texas was. Yeah, she was anxious. She was she was a, a new start in the beginning for her career. She really wanted to get going. And you drove with a U-Haul, and that's a little bit nerve-wracking. <laughs> it is. We uh, pulled it with my car. It was a '89 um, Buick, and I left that down in in Texas with her because it had air conditioning and her little car didn't have it so we kept her old car and gave her mine but uh, yeah and pulling a trailer and backing one up is ridiculous yes <laughs> <laughs> we didn't do very well there so we tried to find big parking spaces where we could just drive away and you had to drive it through Denver yeah, and, uh, well, you know, we just made it so we didn't have to stop and get gas anywhere through Denver. If there was a bad car accident, then just have to sit and wait till they cleared it off. It was so hot. I remember um, oh. sweating in the car, and we'd have to turn the air conditioner off and shut the car off for a while. And, but, uh, yeah, we finally got through that mess. I'm sure it was about 100 degrees and, and just sweltering. You just step outside and you start sweating. She was so happy when she found an apartment that was so reasonably priced. I think it was $300 a month, maybe less. And it had a swimming pool and air conditioning and that was all she wanted was a swimming pool and air conditioning. So she was pretty happy. Do you want to talk a little bit about the the songs and and she made a an Abilene jam? Is that what she called it? Yep, she did. <laughs> she uh, while she was getting excited while still living in in Missoula, you know, she was preparing all of her things she wanted to do and. And so she made this Abilene Jam, which she wrote on it, Abilene Jam, and it was about 20 songs or so about Texas or Montana, 
um, in the songs that she grew up listening, you know, her grandparents would play guitar and, and uh, accordion. So Grandpa would, or my mom actually, Grandma would sing uh, Grandpa talking about the good old days, you know, with that, <laughs> that song. And, yeah. And the song Abilene, you know, and mm-hmm. John Denver's Rocky Mountain High and and uh, a lot of fun songs and just old songs that, that uh, meant a lot to her. So that was nice. In the end, we, at her memorial, we played some of those songs that she loved. So That's really nice. Nice to have mm-hmm. the memories. Yes, yes. She was kind of dreaming about what what her life was going to be like in Abilene on the way down, right? Kind of like talking about the apartment that she wanted and what she wanted to do when she got here. Those kinds of things. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Lots of planning. Um, she wanted to make it down to Mexico so she could say she'd been to Mexico before, <laughs> and I think she did do a a road trip down that way and and then uh, also uh, her and her companions from work went, went to uh, New Mexico and uh, I think it's a town Roswell I think Roswell yes yeah. Roswell yeah and they had a blast there because you know, wasn't just going to stay in Abilene. She was going to see the sites of Texas and, and uh, do other things. She was always she was an adventurer, so it was it was a good thing. Yeah, she you know had ideas of how she wanted to fix her apartment up, and and uh, once we got there, we went shopping for a bed for her. And, um, a few things, necessities, loaded up her, her kitchen with food and paper goods and things like that before I left. So she had lots of shopping to do. Did she love to shop? <laughs> Which she loved to do. <laughs> How long did you stay? I left, let's see, that would have been on the 20th, so it was about Four days, three, four days, I guess. Because you left Montana on the 16th? Yes. And then we got the 18th early, early morning. Uh, we found our apartment first thing, so we could unload the, tra- the U-Haul trailer then. And, and then uh, I started looking for furniture, a bed, and, and that kind of thing, and she had to unpack and food, and she needed a new cell phone from Texas, so she had to buy that and get the P.O. box and and uh, open up a checking account and just all that important thing, things to do. Did Jennifer have a cell phone or a landline or both? And you'd said she purchased a cell phone. Just a cell phone. Yeah, she had one up in a cell phone up in uh, Missoula, but 
uh, she wasn't happy with the service, or they didn't provide service in Texas or whatever, so she needed a new phone. So she got that. Um, so she got a one-bedroom apartment, correct? Yes. But she wasn't necessarily going to use her bedroom as a bedroom. Is that right? No. It was pretty tiny. It's a tiny little bedroom, and uh, the closet was small, and, and so she filled the bedroom up with the <laughs> closet. She had lots of clothes and shoes and that, so, so that's, that's what she used the bedroom for. And then put the bed out in the living room. Let's go back to her job at KRBC. She was excited and she was going to be reporting live. Now, she had done some reporting live in Missoula, right? Uh, I think most of it was recorded. Um, maybe maybe at the end there might have been a few things, um, but that was one thing that she needed more experience in. She came, you know, I think I think Abilene had a satellite truck and maybe Missoula didn't at that time, and so they could do live reporting in Abilene. So she was really excited to be able to learn how to do that. Everybody was so kind and so nice that she just loved KRBC. The purpose of this podcast is is to get the word out, remind people. Um, you know, a lot happens in 15 years, and to the other people who may be peripheral to this. Um, and hopefully we can really get people um, talking about it and maybe that will will kind of shake something loose and maybe someone will finally make the call that I'm sure they also have not wanted to make. It, I'm, you know, it's, it's tough stuff to wait 15 years for, for you. Um, I can't fathom what that's been like. Here, Jennifer's mom sums it up best. I never thought we wouldn't have answers this long. I thought we'd have answers within the first couple months, you know, at least. And then as time keeps dragging on, it, you start going five years, ten years, and now fifteen. It's, it's just time to get it settled. You know, it's uh, time to have, have the killer put away so nobody else gets hurt. I couldn't agree more. You'll hear more from this interview with Jennifer's mom in future episodes. Keep getting the word out about Jennifer's case. Post about Jennifer. Share the podcast promos in the first few episodes as they come out. Invite your friends and family to join our discussion group on Facebook. 
post on Instagram or Twitter and use the hashtag Jennifer Servo or hashtag solve Jennifer Servo's murder. Follow us on Twitter at Justice Delayed P. That's Justice Delayed, followed by the letter P as in podcast, and on Instagram at Justice Delayed Pod. Email me with questions and ideas about additional avenues of investigation at Sharon at JusticeDelayedPod.com. By spreading the word about Jennifer's case, it increases the chance that we'll actually reach the people we need to reach, whoever they are, wherever they are. A lot can change in 15 years. If you know anything about Jennifer's case, or if you just think you might, contact me. I will get back to you. It can be anonymous if it needs to be. If you were even a small part of this case and you want your story told, contact me, even if you think it's insignificant. Every piece of information helps. If you know someone who is part of this case, let them know about the podcast and encourage them to contact me and tell their story. You can call my dedicated voicemail line at 210-836-8680, or you can contact me any of the other ways noted in this episode. If you have a tip about this case, contact the Abilene Police Department at 325-673-8331 or Crime Stoppers at 325-676-TIPS. You can also find those phone numbers on our website. Or if you're uncomfortable contacting either of those agencies, contact me and I'll help get your information to the right people. If you liked this episode, go over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. If you thought it was just kind of eh, I encourage you to wait until we find our rhythm. Be sure to subscribe to our feed if you haven't already so you'll get our latest episodes as soon as they drop. And write a review too, but only if you like us a lot. If you post a five-star review, I'll give you a shout-out on next week's episode. Right now, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Libsyn, and there are links to our episodes at the bottom of my justicedelayedpod.com website. If you have a favorite place to listen to your podcasts, let me know, and I'll put it at the top of our list to add. Join me as I actively search for justice in the form of a murderer. Remember to participate in the brainstorming, send me suggestions for leads to pursue, ask questions all on our Facebook discussion group, or just follow along as I try not to get into too much trouble. So join me next Thursday for more about the unsolved case of Jennifer Olson Servo. Things are about to get interesting. Justice Delayed is a Numanity LLC production. I want to say thank you to Jennifer's family for being so helpful and cooperative throughout this process, even though it isn't easy to relive this kind of pain. All music for this episode is provided by Lee Rosebeer. You can find his music at happypeppyrecords.ca. Our logo was created by Caitlin Spencer. My editor, web designer, and all-around tech expert is none other than my husband, David Edwards. Remember to send in any leads you think I should pursue or any questions you have about the case. This is Sharon, and I'll be back. <laughs>